0: Providing insight into healthcare from a multidisciplinary approach, this is the Fostering Wellness Podcast. I'm registered massage therapist Matt Wells, a rehab professional, joined by my co-host...
1: Joel Foster, a psychotherapist and mental health professional.
0: Let's get better together. And welcome back to the Fostering Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Wells, joined as usual with my co-host, Joel Foster. Oh and uh back after a little bit of a hiatus so the f- first episode we were going to do after the last episode we did kind of aligned over with mother's day yes. and then after that was may 2-4 this yes. weekend so yes. we uh we kind of played ourselves there with the scheduling but uh you know what the break was kind of nice i kind of yeah enjoyed just kind of relaxing and yeah
1: yeah because this is so stressful it's yeah, so stressful a break from it Clearly. <laughs> Spending time
0: with you, Matt, is stressful. <laughs> JK, JK. JK, JK. Um, but I know, like, you're busy with, uh, like, your home renovations and stuff, and I've started yeah. kicking that up now that the weather's getting nicer, so it's, uh, yeah, it's good to have a little bit of a break to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, gonna be out in the
1: backyard and doing stuff out there. Had a nice fire. Oh, nice. Not too long ago, yeah, in their new fire pit. Sick.
0: Yeah, very
1: relaxing, very Wicked. enjoyable,
0: yeah we're kind of uh we're building one out back too um but i think that's gonna be the last thing that we do out back because we still have to like we're dealing with this really invasive plant in japanese knotweed okay and uh, i think i might have told you about this before maybe not but it's like it's this weed that looks like bamboo okay and it grows through everything
1: okay what well, is it also called mile a minute
0: i by have any chance
1: no idea okay because we got something similar out back Okay. And that's what, uh, that's what Carrie calls it. Calls it the uh, mile a minute.
0: If it looks like bamboo, it might be the same thing because it's, that's it's what it looks like. like. Yeah. Um, yeah. And,
1: and so we chopped some of it down and used it for the fire. Fun. But it burnt up like super fast. Yeah.
0: So. And uh, funny story about that. If you live in, uh, I think it's like in the UK or Britain, if your uh, land that you own has that on it, you can't get home insurance because <sighs> it actually grows through concrete if you leave it on enough. Like... The only way to get rid of it is to... Uh, you have to cut it, yeah. spray it, burn the leaves because these things are so crazy that even if a single leaf lands on the ground and yeah. gets buried, a whole plant can come from that. Wow! And it gr- can grow through concrete because it gets that strong. The root system is is really tough. Um, so you have to cut it, spray it, burn it, and then tarp it, and you have to do that like a couple years in a row. Okay. So yeah. well, now, now you hope, know. <laughs> I'm just gonna hope it doesn't get closer. Yeah, <laughs> it's
1: kind of in the back there, so. Uh... Just leave that, I guess. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Keep we, an eye on
0: it. it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we had this house for a year, and uh, that's we, we did that last year. And this year, there's far less out there than there was last year. Okay. So it's working, but there's still, like, little annoying patches. Okay. But that's definitely the main thing we're going to be doing in our backyard before we think about kind of, like, sprucing it up a bit. Gotcha. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we're back again, uh, going to be talking about vulnerability this episode. Yeah. And so, Joel, I'm curious what you have for me. So, oh. uh, let's kick it off,
1: man. Knowledge.
0: Knowledge is Wisdom.
1: Power. Words. Um, and to offer some of those words, vulnerability in the sense that, well, I would see vulnerability and you see vulnerability. And so, just a vulnerability in general. And so, what I'm talking about uh, from two of our different perspectives, from my perspective, I'm kind of talking about being vulnerable uh, as a person, you know, uh, mentally and emotionally. And, of course, I'd love to hear some thoughts on vulnerability from a physical perspective. And what I really like about doing this episode, Matt, is offering this from a male perspective because I think vulnerability is such a
0: uh, a bad word. Is I guess, word? yeah, like stigmatized or just stigmatized. like... Stigmatized. That sounds yeah. fancier than bad word, but... Yeah, I'm here to be fancy, man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: the V word. Um, in that, vulnerability is seen as weakness, right? And what really got me interested in wanting to talk to you about this, Matt. Um, I'll, I'll share a bit about my ideas, but w- just in terms of what interested me was working with clients and talking to people, particularly males, um, and like the struggles like at work. So, you know, remember our episode talking about work and taking a sick day and things like that? Yeah. When, say, you got back pain or you got an injury or something like that, rather than admit that you're injured or that you are um, you got something going on, you just power through and you go back to work and, mm-hmm. you know, you probably end up hurting yourself more than you're helping yourself. You right. know what I mean? Um, or t- taking on a task that's too heavy for where you're at in terms of your um, – Rehab or right. whatever's going on, right? And so, because that got me thinking about how that ties into uh, mental and emotional vulnerability. And I think really specifically emotional vulnerability and being able to open up, right? Being able to open up to somebody like your boss mm-hmm. and say, hey, I'm like not well either mentally or physically or whatever. And to be able to just be true to that, right? And then also on a less um, injury-oriented idea, I've also thought about just, like, who you are. Being able to express that and put that out into the world. Um, Thinking about, you know, well, well, one of the things we were talking about was the stigma, right, Mm. around mental health right and being able to just tell somebody that you got something going on right, right. being able to be vulnerable and say hey you know what well, I've struggled I've had issues you know I've done the work I've gone to see people I've you know just makes me a human being
0: mm mm-hmm.
1: right we don't have to be you know superman or wonder woman all the time to <laughs> you know survive in this world yeah and so Wait. So when I so when I work with clients, and t- typically, you know, usually like anxiety and depression type of work, uh, it really depends. It's about part. Of it, part of it can be about figuring out who you are and being able to express that and feel comfortable expressing that, right? And so that's what I mean when I say vulnerability from my perspective is that's who you are, you know, some people might snickers. some people might say things, but in all reality, they got their own things going on, right? Everybody got their own things going on, mm-hmm. right? And so being able to say, hey, you know, I like, for example, I like nerdy things, right? You know, and I like to play video games and I like to, you know, I like playing Magic the Gathering, right? So much fun. (laughs) I have so much fun playing that. And I like to listen to heavy metal music. And, you know, those pieces of my life that, depending on where I am in a social context, you might just hold back or you might not share.
0: Right. So it's like if you're at a house party and someone passes you... I was about to say, passes you the auxiliary cord. That is aging me right there. Oh, oh wow. my god! Um, Bluetooth. Bluetooth. Right? Yeah. <laughs> when someone when someone says, passes you know what? Passes you
1: your iPod shuffle. Oh yeah. And then uh, you plug
0: that in and you're good to go, buddy. Um, but no, if you uh, if someone turns on a Bluetooth speaker sure. and they're like, you know what? Someone pick something to listen to. You got any music you want to listen to or something like that. Uh, In certain settings, you're probably far less likely to put on something like Behemoth or like Lamb of God. Mm. And for anyone that doesn't know, those are some pretty intense metal bands uh, for people that aren't familiar with metal music. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. Right. And so then you default to something like, for me, classic rock. That's my default, you know, Uh, that that literally happened over the weekend, you know, Um, somebody had said, uh, hey, you got a song request. And I've requested Kickstart My Heart by Motley Crue because it's a little bit more, air quote, socially acceptable. Right. Great tune. Still loved it. Yeah. You know, and everybody else enjoyed it. But yeah, no, I, I wouldn't. It would be awkward for me to kind of bear that part of my soul in that social setting. Right. Mm-hmm. And then so then you're, you're holding part of yourself in. Yeah. Right. And then. If you suffer with something like anxiety, for example, you get in your own head. Yeah. Right? And you say, well, geez, what will they say? They might laugh at me. They might judge me. They might... Yeah. And then, yeah, I've talked about it on a podcast before, that that worry then. You know, your mind wants to defend you because if you're not accepted in your social circles, that can be seen as a threat. Mm-hmm. Right? Because we're social beings. Right? We used to have to socialize to survive, mm-hmm. right? And so then we see that threat and we say, okay, I can't express that or I can't say that because I'm going to be judged and ostracized and I'm going to lose out on that important piece. Right. And so then we worry and we stress and then that can lead to anxiety,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? When all it really would take, Matt, is everyone just to, you know, not to be cliche, but be kind mm-hmm. to each other. Right. And if it is something that you don't enjoy, like if I went to that party and I was like, yeah, turn on, you know, Redneck by Lamb of God. <laughs> and right. They were like, they turn it on. They were like, oh, my goodness, what is this? <laughs> you know, I, I could say they could say, hopefully that, oh, you know, that's not something I'm interested in. Uh, you know, cool song. But can we throw on something else? You know, have a discussion about it then, rather than that. That fear of, you know, what would somebody even say? Yeah. Right? Would they be like, your music sucks, <laughs> Your music sucks, Joel, you're going to have to uh, leave? Yeah. Get out. <laughs> this was a test. Yeah. Yeah. But then even thinking about, you know, going a little bit deeper than that and being able to express that, you yeah, you're struggling or something like that. Mm-hmm. Thinking about that vulnerability too. To put yourself out there, there's such a fear, right, Mm -hmm. attached to that worry. The fear that, again, you might be ostracized or you might be seen as weak. And going back to that male perspective, Matt, right, how often did we hear that, you know, or see it in media or anywhere, really, in in our role models that, you know, suck it up, buttercup, you know, (laughs) you got to
0: kind of power through. Well, you think about... All the like the action stars that we grew up with, like people, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, um, like any of those big action stars, they would always have that sort of like grit to them and that mentality of man up. Like, doesn't matter how many times you're beaten down, you still got to stand up and do it anyway. Mm. And while it can be good to take parts of that and kind of embody some of that, sometimes sometimes Um, it doesn't really allow for the more sensitive side of people to come out especially when it comes to that like I said the male perspective because that's not something these days I think it's starting to become more mainstream but um, certainly it's still not the most mainstream perspective that most people have I would imagine yeah well there's still stigma attached to it
1: certainly right and and I hear it a lot I Mm -hmm. hear it a lot in session I literally had a client not too long ago say that um, and I can't remember specifically what it was that, that it was in reference to, but they didn't want to admit to something because they thought it would make them seem weak, right? Right. I think it was about being lazy. I think is what it was. Okay. Right. So this client was talking about a fear of uh, appearing lazy. Right. Right. And so um, something about you know maybe their parents or something had said, um, oh if you don't do X amount of work, you're seen as lazy, right? And then they internalize that, and then they don't want to express that in their character. So they're even afraid to admit, like, when they don't want to do something. Or they're afraid to let down their guard and let on that they're struggling with, say, school or work or anything they're putting their effort into because they don't want to be labeled as lazy. Right. Because there's such a negative connotation with that, the stigma, the ostracism. Uh, you know being ostracized mm-hmm. because of it and so it just holds on to it and you carry that and and it's like uh it's like wearing a mask right right going around the world wearing a mask right and not you know not wanting to protect you from COVID but uh, one that's meant to protect you from <laughs>
0: yeah. you know stigma it's a and good reference these days yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to wear a mask. No, we're not saying that. No, 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 no. Wear a mask. Please wear a mask.
1: But not uh, that that um that um defensive mask. Yeah, I don't know how to label it exactly. Uh, I'm
0: going to reference a video game since we sure. About. Let's go. Ahead. It's like wearing a different persona. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, what persona do you want people to see? Do you want to see one that you? Saw from Arnold Schwarzenegger, and you know, I was gonna reference a movie Predator. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why that's. Commando. Should, yeah, all kinds of them, right? <laughs> is that what you want to embody, or is there something deeper to who you are? Yeah. And just being able to express that freely. Um. So that's kind of where I wanted to start. Yeah, Matt,
0: that's uh, deep diving into some deep waters. Yeah, there. Yeah,
1: yeah, and, and I guess I just. Wonder how you know if you see that, and is there a difference between like your male and female clients? Is is that, you know, me just pulling on old stigmas or, or pulling on my anecdotal experiences? What what, what do
0: you think, man? Um, you know, putting aside the the differences between genders, I'm kind of just like to look at it as a whole because there seems to be a. Sure. Opposing themes going on between what you just described that you see in clinic and what I see. Sure So it sounds like and let me know if I'm wrong. Yeah So the way I interpreted that is it sounds like there is a big stigma around uh, this perception of being vulnerable or just being vulnerable in general and so one of the more common things that you'll try to do is um, kind of let people know that it's okay to be vulnerable mm. in certain scenarios and how to like okay train that to be okay. It's okay yeah. not to be okay. Yeah, um, it's actually the opposite for my uh, profession. Okay. We try to not tell people that they're vulnerable. Okay. Because that's something that's been historically done for a long time in my kind of professions for sure. musculoskeletal. Okay. So, for example. People, and I've brought this up tons of times on the podcast, but I'll say it again just in case, because I'm sure not everybody listens to every single podcast episode that we do, but please do. (laughs) Yeah, you should. (laughs) Um, People believing that pain automatically equals damage, and so that automatically puts this air of vulnerability around a particular area of the body, and so people will not be as willing to move it, exercise it, train it, whatever you want to do with it, just use that particular body part because there's this belief of vulnerability and that will set people back and maybe prevent them from doing things in the future that they enjoy doing. Mm, okay. So that's the more, that that's way more common that I see. Yeah. And so trying to alleviate these, uh, beliefs of vulnerability is a big part of what I do, which usually takes the form of maybe, um, I think challenging beliefs is too strong of a, of a statement to say what I try to do with people in clinic. But it is something to that effect. It's like sure. finding out what beliefs are holding them back that may be too far on the vulnerable side okay. and pointing out little inconsistencies in that story so it gets them more comfortable moving in their own skin. Okay. Um, not to say that there aren't situations where people may be more vulnerable than others, but sometimes that even takes the case of just psychological vulnerability but within a physical sphere or a physical setting okay um such as well like i just said people believing that they're way more vulnerable than what they already are that has nothing to do with the physical side of it they may have sensations of pain but pain is much more than just physical Hmm. and in many cases a lot of people feeling pain don't really have anything that's that physically uh damaging or inherently vulnerable it's more of an expression of a perception of threat from the nervous system yeah yeah as opposed to something actually being wrong yeah that's in most cases not in every case again like there's individual differences that you that you kind of suss out in clinic but uh that's kind of where uh most of my sessions go is teaching people that they're not vulnerable, okay. which is an interesting dichotomy here. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And, and I guess it depends on, on you know, context and, and how we really define vulnerability as well. Yes, um, yeah. Because even in that, it, the way that you kind of presented that, the vulnerability carries a, a negative connotation. Yeah. Right? Whereas... You know, I tried to portray it as, as a positive connotation, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess it's interesting to think about um, that the actual fear of vulnerability, and uh, I'm trying to you know wrap
0: my head around it from from your perspective in clinic. So I think there is one thing I can clear up though. That sure, I think yeah, that I, yeah, yeah. I wasn't very clear on was um, when I present those kind of like challenging beliefs to people i i don't ever well i try to really not ever let it come off as me insinuating that their pain isn't real because that's yeah. one takeaway that a lot of people have okay. it's like well if i'm not damaged and the pain's there my pain must not be real okay but okay. no yeah exactly I try, I try to tell people that it's uh or at least <laughs> let them come to their own conclusions but i tried to lead them down the road of it's okay to feel pain it's okay to have these horrible instances of pain that are yeah. absolutely excruciating but it's also okay to realize that it doesn't mean that you are damaged yeah it it is an experience that has a lot of different factors going on to it yeah um and it's okay to feel that way
1: and that would kind of be you know my perspective building the strength into the vulnerability
0: right um from my so even when you're
1: saying that i'm thinking about you know I, I wouldn't want somebody to feel as though opening up about their anxiety, depression, struggles, whatever is, is, you know, a bad thing, right? I want to build that strength into that vulnerability so that they can see it from a, a place where they're really getting in tune with themselves and giving them the skills to kind of overcome that. Right. Um, well, the skills would come after, you know, uh, sitting down and getting all that part figured out. But I'm even thinking about the, uh, you know, the, that weakness that you're talking about, that the, the damage, I guess, yeah. is how you labeled it. Certainly, I wouldn't want my clients feeling like because they got, you know, they're struggling or whatever, that they're damaged as well. Yeah. But I guess normalizing it.
0: And I guess, like, now that we're talking about it and it's kind of like teasing out these things, it actually kind of sounds like we're on the same mentality. Yeah. It's like people are coming to us in a vulnerable state. And it's not that we're telling them that, like, vulnerability is bad. Yeah. We're trying to let them know that they aren't necessarily vulnerable despite the issues that they're having. They can be resilient and still feel bad.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that, yeah, resilience. Yeah, absolutely. That totally ties into that because certainly to just be vulnerable and not really do anything after, I guess I'm thinking more of like that, that first initial step right. where you would almost want your clients as well to kind of open up about the pain, yep. you know, if they were like, oh, it. you know, kind of, hurts maybe in this area there yeah. and you're like okay well what do I do with that yeah if they're instead like hey I'm really struggling with this this really hurts you know if I do xyz and just being able to admit that rather than being like no I'm tough and that doesn't hurt that much <laughs> <laughs> <And> <laughs> there are definitely lots
0: of those too yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: exactly yeah so I guess that's kind of and then once you kind of transition into that get that part of vulnerability out there mm-hmm. Then you kind of, I can see the follow-up with, okay, now that you're vulnerable and we've given that safe space to it, let's get to work on the resilience.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? Just because you're, you're struggling, just because you're injured, just because you have something going on, doesn't mean that you're broken, like you said. Right. Be open about it, be honest about it, and then that provides the opportunity for the work.
0: Mm-hmm. I am curious about one thing when you talk to people in these kind of situations sure. where someone would come to you feeling particularly vulnerable. Do you ever have instances where people find comfort in the vulnerability? And so trying to bring it out of that, like trying to, even if it's a super positive message and it's something that you know will benefit them. And, you know, inherently, I, I truly believe that they believe it will help them, but yeah. it's at... It's at the point in their journey where, um, they aren't ready to let go of that vulnerability because they perceive that that is almost like a part of their identity. Mm -hmm. So I can give you an an example. Sure. I think I know where you're going, but yeah. Yeah. So someone, let's use the knee pain example. Sure. So someone comes to see me with knee pain and they'll say, um... You know, I'm really struggling with the knee, it prevents me from doing the activities that I used to do all the time, such as, you know, going to the gym, maybe like playing hockey, basketball, something like that. And so we start to see this like journey of their, like, really what their emotional ties are to that area of the body, like it it brings them joy to be able to use that particular joint in a certain way. So to me, it sounds like we need to start building a capacity to do that again, Mm. because that's going to get them closer to their goals because if someone comes to you with a particular issue it's not the issue itself isn't really what they're there for they're there to do something yeah they're there to accomplish a goal and this particular issue is what's setting them back but at certain times like or certain people will come to see me and i'll be like okay so our goal is to get back to what we're doing before and so we got to do x y and z or we should be trying to do x y and z and we can make it work to your schedule and like trying to obviously work with them as a client, not dictate to them exactly how to do it in yeah. many different ways. But, um, sometimes people won't want to hear that They'll mm. They'll say, no, it's like, it's too far gone. I, I'm, I really don't want to be doing all that. Like Damn. this is like, I, I'm kind of stuck with this for a while and I don't think I'm, I'm going to be ready to do anything in the yeah. near future. And you may objectively know that's not true. Yeah. And even they may, you know, at some point, realize in that that's not true. In the core, yeah. But the the vulnerability is still there, and it's not something that either they're willing to let go, or maybe they just are too afraid to let go. I don't know what that is, but
1: you know what popped into my mind while you were, while you were explaining that, Matt, was the the feeling comfort in the vulnerability, and so this almost ties into what I was talking about earlier about having that ability to be vulnerable and getting that. Uh, meaningful, helpful response, right? Right. Like putting on, you know, some death metal and someone being like, oh, it's cool that you listen to that. Right. Right? Or whatever. You you put that out, you put yourself out there getting that good response. So in a clinical setting, you know, or in just in a setting sitting with people like us who are open to that and have Mm -hmm. expressed that we're open to that, being able to share with us gives them that that good response that they'd be looking for, that they might not get in other parts of their life. Right. Because of stigma, uh, I don't know, social conditioning. Yeah, our beliefs. Uh, uh, right, exactly, thing. right? And so then maybe it's that they get comfortable with that, hmm. right? And they, get, and they come back to you and say, hey, I still got this going on. And you're like, okay, yeah. Um, uh, I'm empathizing. I'm understanding, right? And that might be something they're looking for too, uh, right? Outside of just the, in in your case, the, you know, uh, rehab on uh, whatever injury
0: it is that they have going on. Mm-hmm. Um, is that kind of where you were? Yeah, because it's, you know, it can be difficult for the rehab relationship, even yeah. then, because. You know, there are a million ways to go about something and I'm sure if someone came to me and people do come to me with that kind of mentality, it's it's working with them on like a comfort level first, just yeah. getting them okay with feeling discomfort. I think that's one of the first things that I would tell people is yeah. I absolutely hate pain scale like, reading something from 1 to 10, especially, like, such a unique experience as pain where it's so many factors. Like yeah. Asking someone to rate something from 1 to 10 when they feel pain is, like, asking them to, okay, well, the pain prevents me from sleeping or, like, playing playing with my kids, doing yeah. the things I love. How do I put that on a reductionist scale of 1 to 10? Yeah. But there are times where that's valuable. Yeah. And when it's most valuable, in my opinion, is when we're trying to grade how much discomfort we can get away with. Oh, okay. And still be Okay. Okay. so I'll ask someone I'll usually preface it using that exact statement like I hate doing this but in uh, me talking to a client <laughs> I absolutely hate asking people to do this but I'm gonna ask but you I'm to gonna ask you anyway right? yeah. <laughs> if you were to put this on one to ten yeah. 10 being the absolute worst pain possible and one being nothing yeah um, where would you put it on average and when it's at its worst? yeah and so people will give me a number maybe like a six seven something like that and I'll be like okay. I want you to be comfortable getting up to about a three or four. Yeah. Hmm. And then that kind of puts that idea in their head that, oh, if he's telling me it's okay to go to a three or four, that must mean that we don't have to wait till I'm completely pain-free or symptom-free to that do stuff.
1: graded exposure that you've talked about before. Yeah. Kind of building, well, building
0: into resilience. Yeah. Yeah. Because if we only waited till someone was completely symptom-free, we wouldn't really be doing rehab. We'd just be playing the waiting game. Yeah. And then they'd go back to doing what they want that previously spiked their pain, and the pain would realistically still be there. Yeah. Um, and they would at be and at that point they would be at a much less uh, prepared state to be able to handle that. Yeah. Rather than working in a bit of that stuff that has been previously irritating, but just changing it a little bit to be yeah. able to get them to tolerate it more, and then that tolerance builds that resilience and builds comfort so that they know like even if I get a bit of discomfort. I can still do this thing. Hmm. Um. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, what I'm hearing is balance. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. Where,
1: why? And and it's interesting that you've kind of said you know, living in that that discomfort, and kind of pushing yourself. Thinking about the uncomfortableness of being vulnerable up front, mm-hmm. right? That uncomfortableness of opening yourself up to somebody or whoever may, that may be. And then once you've kind of done that and you've gained that comfort, thinking about like a, a relationship, right? Right. You know, you kind of slowly work yourself into being open and vulnerable with this, with your partner. Right. And so then, you know, once you've kind of done that, is there a point where you become too comfortable with that vulnerability and you know what where it came into my mind you almost wallowing in it mm-hmm. right being like well what was me you know I'm I'm you know like you said broken or you know this is always going to be the case for me yeah and i guess it really depends on what you're being vulnerable about yeah you know if you're being vulnerable about your interests or you know anything like that then that's kind of you know surface level vulnerability but then getting into the you know deeper things about maybe you've experienced a trauma Mm -hmm. in your life you know who who are you going to be vulnerable with that with that with you know who are you going to open up to about that you know i'm not suggesting everybody should be more vulnerable and therefore they should go tell everybody (laughs) about their trauma right it's probably not healthy and I wouldn't recommend that, but... Well, if...
0: it's like you said, it's a, it's an easing in. Exactly. It's like using the relationship example. Imagine Joel. Yeah. Imagine your first date with your partner. Yeah. And you're like, check this out. You throw in a Meshuggah CD in the car and <laughs> blast it. Meshuggah <laughs> is a like a pretty intense death metal band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, to, to say the me. least. Uh, how do you think that would have went? Yeah. <laughs> Versus like, maybe I'll put on a song in the background of us doing chores at home in a year. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Graded exposure. Graded exposure to Meshuggah. (laughs) Exactly,
1: yeah. And, and, you know, doing it in, again, yeah, that comfortable way where maybe you, going back to the trauma example, go to a professional first Mm -hmm. and say, hey, let's dig into this traumatic experience I have. And then there's plenty of people who use that as a tool for empowerment, Afterward, I say plenty, but I mean, you know, thinking about, um, like, the public speakers, TED Talks. I watch a Mm -hmm. bunch of TED Talks, people getting and being like, hey, I went through this. It was traumatic and it was awful, but I opened up about it, got the help I needed, built resilience afterward, and now I see that as vulnerability, too, right? Mm -hmm. But again, going back to your point that, that, you know, easing into it. Yeah. Yeah, rather than just, woof
0: yeah dumping it out <laughs> exactly and it's fun it's like funny to to sit down and like talk about this because um we keep bringing up resilience yeah and we keep saying how resilience is great which it is yeah. like it puts a lot of people up for success but like you also mentioned balance even too much resilience yes yeah. <laughs> can be negative because then we're going back to that old school mentality of always fighting things and overcoming yeah. them and getting stronger and this like mentality of strength 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 as opposed to it's okay to be vulnerable yes so allowing yourself to well kind of like what i said before you go up to that three or four out of ten yeah that's fine that's okay that's still manageable and it's still something that you know if you're willing to open up with somebody that's a form of vulnerability yeah and uh, that could be perfectly healthy it is perfectly healthy for many people absolutely but realizing that you're not stuck there i think is the resilience part yeah it's like at this point I feel awful. Yeah. And that's pretty normal. Yeah. And it's just a snapshot of my life. Mm. And the resilience is going to come when I begin to address this. And that's kind of like the way I'm guessing interpreting this conversation.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so let's take for a moment, Matt, the other side of it as well, receiving the receiving end of that vulnerability. And going back, I made the point about being kind, mm-hmm. but also just recognizing what that means because certainly that can be an uncomfortable situation too mm-hmm. and so being okay with that discomfort where you know if somebody comes up to you you've met a handful of times and they said oh hey you know also uh, I don't know I'm gonna come up with a, you know my mother died and it's got me for life right and it's like oh okay I guess we're starting here here's where we're going <laughs> right and and you know, just being okay with receiving that and yep. understanding what your limit is on that side of things, as well. Hey, I, yeah, I hear you. That's a real struggle. Like, I don't mind talking to you, but you know, it dry, uh, creating those boundaries. I guess. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know you. No, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here, buddy. Yeah, yeah, right, here. Uh. right? Yeah. But again, that that's, uh, that 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 discomfort that comes with that with somebody else being vulnerable because then that brings up thoughts of your own vulnerability right Mm -hmm. and just it's just an uncomfortable situation sometimes if you don't really know somebody
0: yeah and you could be in a like situation yourself that that could be pretty triggering for it imagine
1: yes
0: and and so being willing to put up those barriers kind of keeps you in a healthy headspace too or yeah just a healthy space in general
1: yeah yeah and you know, when that, what I'm thinking about now is even just making yourself available for that. Mm-hmm. You know, not necessarily asking for it. Not necessarily like, hey, have you been through anything truly awful in your life? Hey, do you <laughs> want to express something totally, you want to bare your soul to me? Yeah. Yeah, come on with it. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited about it, you know. Probably not. Yeah. Unless you're in my chair with the client. Yeah. You know, then I might ask those questions. But in a natural organic kind of situation, just just presenting yourself as somebody who would be okay if mm-hmm. that got to that point. Like if, if you just spontaneously broke down and cried, you know, or somebody spontaneously broke down that you're not coming off as somebody who would shut that down or ostracize or make fun of, or all of those things that I was not talking anything. about earlier.
0: But talking about different factors and, like, uh, on being on the receiving end, yeah. um, what about in situations where you're trying to find more, I guess I could call, like, protective factors mm. for, like, vulnerability or maybe, like, moderating factors, something like that, um, using that individual's social circle and surroundings to kind of assist with, uh, like, treating that vulnerability or just dealing with it? Like, would, would there ever be a point where you would bring in like family members, friends into the clinical setting to Mm -hmm. be able to let them know what's going on. Well,
1: think about interventions. Yeah, right. Right? And you know, I can't say that I've actually ever been a part of an intervention myself, Mm -hmm. but I understand that that premise of bringing into people that care about you most and even them being vulnerable
0: right like, this is how you make me feel when yeah you through this do you think that interventions in that kind of setting can come off as more aggressive and like a gotcha mentality i guess it depends on how you do it, it. really
1: depends on how yeah. you do it yeah it certainly can you know um well it's, it's like my partner is watching um the show i think it's just called intervention isn't it oh yeah i think there's just a show yeah of, it's like
0: reality television it's right? just is, yeah 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 and head it
1: on and uh, like, like I, I don't know, I didn't watch all of it, so I don't want to speak too much to it, but mm-hmm. it's doing that in front of the cameras, that kind of seems aggressive to me, you know. It goes beyond then just that, again, it's not It's not that, that easing into. <laughs> You're opening up about an addiction in front of literally millions of people on camera, right? Right. And so I think that there might be some danger in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that they got all kinds of professionals. I would hope that they got I all kinds hope. of, you <laughs> yeah. know, professionals and everything They're working with those people to kind of, you know, go beyond the help that you see on the show. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I guess being able to just work into it, right. Well, even thinking about group therapy, you know, mm-hmm. if, if we would take, you know, the the mentality of a group session, it's not always. Uh, intervention style. It could be that you're all struggling with an addiction yourself and sharing your experience and being vulnerable. Those groups actually work on vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Right? And if there's no vulnerability within those groups, it just grinds to a halt. Right. right. And so even when doing, you know, my group therapy, oh, I, I loved my group therapy class, met, you know, it was, it was so cathartic, just, you know, we broken up into two groups, and we each got to like observe. I think it was two groups or three groups, and just just how natural it was for everything to go real, to turn real. Mm-hmm. And there was tears, and there was you know laughter, and it was just such an emotionally real experience. Right. But it, it was fueled by that vulnerability, mm-hmm. and so for us as facilitators, we had to be able to bring that in. And one of the techniques you can use is you know, being a little bit of vulnerable yourself, right? Um, existential therapy, existential group therapy on the basis that you're part of the journey, right? Hey, we're all here for a reason. Here's my experience. How does everybody else feel? Does anybody want to start? Does anybody want to follow up on that, right? And so, you know, think, thinking about that opposed to that intervention style where you're kind of putting somebody in the hot seat. I can certainly see why that might come off as aggressive. Right. Um, the hope would be that it's, again, similar to that style where everybody in that intervention is being open and vulnerable themselves.
0: Right. That's uh, It's interesting because I know one of the things that people in professions like mine uh, deal with a lot Uh, is social learning like uh, previous probably like not so helpful beliefs that people have about uh, just health in general sure and I've heard this on podcasts before and talking to people I haven't done it myself okay but people bringing in like family members people that they're living with people in very close proximity with them and getting them on board with a recovery method or the recovery process okay. because it's one thing for like if i were to tell somebody who had no prior learning about rehab and stuff other than what they've heard from maybe like work colleagues or like what you see on like you know social media sure um picking things up with your back is okay yeah for this individual sure yeah um And in a certain way, it's perfectly okay, but it may not look great aesthetically. Like, your back probably isn't straight. You're bending over at your back, picking stuff up. But for this person, it would be largely beneficial to get them doing that. If I were to tell someone to do that, and then they go home and they do it in front of somebody that cares about them and wants them to get better, but doesn't know that, it might backfire. Yeah. Because then you get a lot of feedback from an outside source. That is contradicting exactly what our method is to getting someone better. Yeah. And so that builds distrust either between the, those two people. Yeah. Or between me and ourselves and that person. Yeah. And then there's like a, a lot of back and forths between third parties. And then the whole situation just gets really complex and muddled to mm-hmm. where the person who came to see me isn't getting that much benefit. Yeah. And so... You know i've heard of this happening actually that's a lie i did that once okay i've done that once and it's actually it actually worked out really well to bring the other person in but i i guess this is my own bias bleeding into this too is that i i can't imagine it would work out well the majority of the time because there's a whole lot of education that needs to happen depending on the issues and then sure. actually having the time to sit down with someone like a third party and explain exactly what's going on here and maybe like some of the evidence surrounding it would take a whole other treatment in itself or at least the length of a treatment.
1: And so that goes back to my point about being available.
0: Right. Right.
1: And so if somebody comes to you and says, Hey, my, you know, massage therapist said I should be doing this, you know, keeping that open mind, being available to that. Oh, well I didn't realize that that was bothering you so much. Yeah. Okay. But what, what do you need from me? Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, I just need you to kind of encourage me to do my exercises once a day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Whatever the exercise is, I'll totally encourage you to do that. Yeah. Right. That, that availability, you know, rather than the, geez, that looks weird. Yeah.
0: Right. Or you're going to well, hurt yourself why doing that. You're not, or you're going to
1: hurt yourself doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Being open-minded. hmm Yeah. I, I had a question, Matt. I was curious while we were kind of discussing it, you know, now that I brought up group therapy, I, I guess there's therapy for, uh, Um, You know, there's like group therapy for, say, like cancer survivors or people who are even going through cancer, experiencing it. What about something like back pain? Do you know of anything that, you know, so for like chronic back pain, we'll say, or um, I guess any chronic pain like that. Is there anything like that, like a group therapy? And if not, do you see that being beneficial
0: at all? That's a good question, man. Uh, as far as group therapy goes, I, I know there are pain psychologists. Yeah. That's a field that's up and coming. Yeah. And I'd imagine that they would, like yourself, do group therapies for people with those issues. Yeah. But the trick with that, in my mind, is trying to get people on board that, again, the issue is not necessarily their back. Yeah. It's a pain state. Yeah. which can include the back. That can be a portion of it, but it's not the sole determinant of pain being damaged. Yeah. And so while I believe that could be hugely beneficial, I think current social learning dictates that many people may not be on board with that. Gotcha. So I guess the closest alternative for something more physically biased for like a type of therapy yeah. is stuff like group workout sessions. Like, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like... Um, virtual boot camps are huge these days gets people moving that aren't necessarily motivated to go to the gym or or they aren't even interested in going to the gym stuff that gets people up gets them actually using their back in ways that maybe they previously didn't think they were able to empowering empowering them to be able to move in ways that they may have perceived being a threat yeah and so that goes beyond rehab that actually starts to become more preventative yeah because then people know that They can do those things without being overly coached, overly threatened, and getting all these, uh, what we would call like a nocebic effect from language. Like the nocebo effect being the opposite of placebo, being like a a negative influence from thoughts, beliefs, stuff like that. Um, But that would honestly be the closest thing. Just like uh, group exercise sessions.
1: Yeah. And, And I guess thinking about, you know, group meditations and group you know, even yoga for for that that uh, you know psychological, you know, mental health piece of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, getting together and doing something like that, and and being connected in that way. Yep. And, oh, yoga.
0: Yeah. I mean, people use their back there all the time. Like, um, again, it's not like a specific therapy, but if it's someone that isn't necessarily regularly active and they're going there and they're doing all these twists and turns and bends and crouches and that's great
1: yeah Yeah. but even thinking about you know i'm gonna be open and vulnerable myself you know i tried to get in i'm trying to get into yoga myself and there is that fear or that worry that i'll go to a class and look silly for trying yoga right and, you know, obviously I can recognize that and, and you know, I, ha- I have the tools to rationalize and say, hey, everybody starts somewhere and, and kind of work through that process, so I'll be fine. But I know that there are people who don't have that tools or don't feel comfortable overcoming that. Mm-hmm. And even thinking about what it means to put yourself out there in that small setting of like a handful of you know, five, six people who have a shared interest.
0: Yeah. You're all there for yoga.
1: Yeah. Even that can be a tough place to be open and vulnerable. Right. But the benefit, you know, if you do make a mistake, you do something wrong, that, that receptive side of it, I would, I would imagine a yoga studio is pretty, you know, open and yeah. Right. And and so would offer that feedback, that positive of, Hey, you know, great job. Try this next time. Yep. Yeah. Or add this to it.
0: Well, I know, like, I don't practice yoga myself, but I know many people who do. Yeah. And that's one common thing that they'll always say is the instructors will always tell you, you know, you can always modify it. Yeah. Like, if yeah. you're not comfortable with this right now, try something else. Here's another way to do this. And uh, just glad that you're here. Yeah. type of thing. Just, yeah. Just glad that you're being active and doing it.
1: And how powerful, even thinking about that, Matt, just that statement, I'm glad you're here. Right. Not even just in, like, a like a class context, but mm-hmm. just in, like, any context. You yeah. You know, if you're hanging out with a group of friends, right, and you say to somebody, hey, glad you're here. How powerful is that?
0: Yeah, that's huge. I mean, it's this. it goes a long way in the same way that uh, messaging someone maybe that you haven't heard from in a while, being like, hey, yeah. thought about you the other day, just hoping that you're doing well, checking in on you. Yeah. Same the kind attitude. of effect. Yeah. It's just yeah. checking in with somebody, and then maybe that can... Uh, open the doors to being more vulnerable and uh, having someone else that you can add to your list of like uh, your social circle that you can use kind of to buffer those vulnerable feelings
1: yeah buffer them and and be a support system for you know when you are feeling vulnerable and need that extra little bit of push or help with the resilience whatever it may look
0: yeah and vice versa too yeah yeah
1: yeah absolutely
0: wow Matt
1: what a journey what a journey! You know, it's funny. You you think you're starting somewhere, and you end up somewhere else. Yeah, that was uh, that was a great discussion. Yeah, it was. Well, I hope yeah.
0: everybody else enjoyed it too. Everybody's listening. Yeah,
1: yeah, and of course, again, if you have any feedback or questions, we always encourage you to reach out. Yep. Via social media, via email, whatever. Yeah, if you see us on the street, be like, "What's up?" What's up, Matt and Joel? <laughs>
0: um but yeah i think that pretty much concludes this episode uh, again hope everybody enjoyed it and uh we'll catch you guys next week take care stay safe adios